Hello everyone, this is Andre, the co-founder of Twins Tours and Travel in Jerusalem in Israel, born into a Christian Maronite family, and I'm a licensed tour guide and an ordained minister of the gospel. I have been leading numerous groups throughout the Holy Land for almost 20 years. Also, I'm an author of several books, and you can find them in Amazon. And one of the first books I wrote called One Friday in Jerusalem speaks about my life story. So join me for a journey of 10 days to understand the heart and the mind of Jesus and to understand the Bible in a deeper way with more details through the Middle Eastern perspective. Please share this podcast with your friends and families and churches and connect with me if you have any questions. This is day number 10. After visiting the road to Omaus, we will continue driving through the Judean mountains to reach the Shfilah, a Hebrew name which means the low land or the humble land. Tel Azikah is located inside the British Park. This site is not visited by many Christian pilgrims because it is on the off-beaten track. Not many tour guides or drivers go there. The bus arrived to the site and all the group went out and I start walking to the top of the tell and I asked the group not to go out of the path I am walking on. It is not much recommended because there's not much excavations done there and it can be dangerous to be stepping outside the path because there's a lot of holes and a lot of cisterns not excavated yet. And this is the last site of the tour of the 10 days and I don't want anything to happen to anyone because it has been so successful so far and no injuries. So, we are arriving to the top of Tel Azikah for the view of the Ela Valley where David fought Goliath. All of the group are at the top. All of them are seated looking at the beautiful views to the Ela Valley and watching and trying to understand what happened between David and Goliath, which I will explain about. After everyone took pictures, I will open the Bible and start reading from 1 Samuel chapter 17 and I will start from verses 1 to 3. David and Goliath Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sukkot in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephesdamim between Sukkot and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley between them. So, what I just read in the Bible will make so much sense for the people looking at the valley. I will remind them that we are at Tel Azekah, where the Israelites camped, and I will point for them from the far horizon, Tel Socho, 
where the Philistines camp, and I will show them the valley in between. And the Bible says a location called Ephes Damim. Literally in Hebrew, Ephes Damim means the lowest point of the valley, the most humble place, which is near the brook. And this is the location where David fought with Goliath at the lowest point because he humbled himself so much. I will next point for the group the town of Goliath. It's called Gath. And David was from Jerusalem. I will point the location of Jerusalem. So the group will have a better understanding of scripture and the locations of each site we just read. Then I continue reading 1 Samuel 17, 4 to 7. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his leg, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. So this is the description of the enemy. Look how he is described. His name is Goliath. Three things we know about him from this description. Number one, he was over nine feet tall. So that makes him the biggest and strongest soldier in the field. Number two, Goliath's armor is also described in great details. Given the expense of the armor, he would be the only person on the battlefield wearing that significant armor. Point number three, he is from Gath, which brings the questions, what ethnicity is he? The text says that he is a Philistine, but that might be just his nationality and not his ethnicity. For example, you can be an American as a nationality, but your ethnicity is different. And this is the same thing with this story. What can we learn about his ethnicity? Goliath is a Rephaite. Please read First Chronicles chapter 20, verses 5 and 6. It says, In another battle with the Philistines, Elchanan, son of Yair, killed Lachmi, the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, who had a spear with a shaft like a weaver's rod. Verse 6. In still another battle, which took place at Gath, there was a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in all. He also was descendant from Rapha. You see, verse 6 tells us that Goliath's brother was descendant from Rapha. So, hence, Goliath is too from Rapha. 
Anakites are Raphaites. Look what is written in Deuteronomy 2.11. Like the Anakites, they too were considered Raphaites, but the Moabites called them Emites. Now this is very important. So as we read, Goliath is a Raphaite. But this is still not ultimately the ethnicity, because Raphaite is a term for giants and seems to be a border term. We have in Jerusalem a valley called Emek Raphaim, which literally means the valley of the giants, because archaeologists had found giant bones of humans remnants in that valley. Goliath is an Anakite from Gath. Let us read Joshua 11.22 No Anakites were left in Israelite territory, only in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod. So it seems clear that Goliath is an Anakite, not a Philistine. But who are the Anakites? The Anakites were those people living in the land of Canaan before the Israelites got there. Anakites you have to understand, are the Nephilim. Let's read Numbers 13, 31 to 33. Remember the spies come back from spying and they report? And they say, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. Verse 32. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. 33. We saw the Nephilim. There the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So, the point here, the Anakites were the ones who scared the Israelites so badly that they voted not to go into the land. But here we are told that the Anakites are the Nephilim. They are descendants of the Nephilim. Who are the Nephilim? The Nephilim first, they are mentioned in Genesis chapter 6 verse 4. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were the heroes of old men of renown. Which means the Nephilim are the offspring of fallen angels cohabiting with human women. They were demigods. Remember the fallen angel? He was cursed from heavens down to earth. Nephilim is mean literally in Hebrew, falling down, Paul to fall down. So we understand that Goliath is a symbol not for the biggest and tallest of the humans only, but represents demonic power beyond which any human can match up against. That is why he is nine feet tall. Now, who is the king at that period of history we are reading? Who is the pretended king? 
who do things in the flesh, King Saul. Let us read 1 Samuel 17, 8 to 11. 8. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? I am not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? So this is the key. He is calling their king. And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Why does Goliath identify Saul by name? Because Saul is the one who should be going out to fight for the Israelites. Why? I can give you three reasons. Number one, Saul is one of the few Israelites properly armed. We read in 1 Samuel 13, 22. So on the day of the battle, not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan had a sword or spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. Also, in 1 Samuel 17:38, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. His armor almost matches Goliath's armor. Reason number two. Saul is the biggest and the tallest of the Israelites. Look at 1 Samuel 10.23. They ran and brought him out, and as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said to all the people, Do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. And reason number three. The reason Israel had asked for a king was so that he would go out and fight their battles for them. Let us read 1 Samuel 18, 19 and 20. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. So, we understand here that Goliath represents our true enemy. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against heavenly realms. Look what is written in Ephesians 6.12 For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Because our enemies will be inspired by powers of darkness. They will come at us with strength greater than our own human strength. Saul was tall. Goliath was taller. 
Saul had armor, Goliath had a better armor. In this life, you will come up against a spiritual enemy who is better than you in every category that you have excelled in the past. How will you respond? Or how you should respond? Like King David. So who is the king, the real king? It's King David. Let's read from 1 Samuel 17, 32-37. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Verse 34 But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off his sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Verse 36 Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So who is David? How was he selected to be the king of Israel? We have to understand three things about David. Number one, he is a very humble young shepherd, but his heart is with God. Number two, he refused to put any armor. And number three, he fight in the name of the Lord. Let us read the famous phrase from 1 Samuel 16:7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Very interestingly here, by outward appearance, Saul is the king of Israel. But if you look deep inside the promise of God, David is the real king of Israel. By outward appearance, David has nothing to commend himself. But inwardly, his heart is the strongest force on the battlefield. Also look what is written in 1 Samuel 17.32. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Now, how is the battle fought? Let us read 1 Samuel 17 from 38 to 49. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tonic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones, 
from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and, with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. Verse 43. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. 45. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. You see, this is important. In the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47 All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. 48. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and stuck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. In the spiritual world, because our battle is not against flesh and blood, the best weapon for us is an undivided heart for God. It's so much important what David has done in the name of God of Israel. It's a spiritual word. He knew who was Goliath in the spirit. He knew that he was originally a demon. These battles are a warfare. We have to be aware of our enemies. It's not the outside. It's the inside. If we know what is the inside, what is the core, what is the source of every battle, in the name of the Lord, in the name of Jesus, we can win every strong battle. Also look at verses 38 and 39, where David refuses to use Saul's armor. is another illustration of the spiritual nature of this battle. Don't go with what people tell you. Don't go what you see from the outside. Always go deeper and deeper and deeper. Let me read from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. 
everything you see is in the spiritual realm. David's real weapon is his heart and his unfailing trust in God and his strong faith in the God of Israel. This is our real weapon, is the motives of our hearts. It all starts in the heart. Anything he do, he do it under the name of the Lord. And when he approached Goliath, he said in the name of the Lord. So anything David do is under the anointing of the Lord. Let us continue reading from 1 Samuel 17, 50 and 51. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned away and ran. Whatever you are facing right now in your life, whether it's a financial trouble, whether it's a material trouble, or a health problem, or a church division, or whatever hardships you are passing through, sickness, disease, divorce, Keep your heart, trust the Lord, whatever the situation is. Because the point of this chapter is that mostly likely this problem has its roots in the spiritual world. If you humble yourself and forget about shame, forget about your pride, kill your pride, and you humble yourself like David, every problem will be solved because you will not be able to overcome the problem with money or education or reasoning or even politics or power or anything else the world uses your best weapon is your heart guard your heart let God fight for you do not fight yourself even if you're right do not defend yourself rejoice in your current battle rejoice in your circumstances and trial trust god all the time move fluidly and without fear as david did even among crises Always remember this verse, 1 Samuel 17, 47. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. Again, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. And next, I will suggest to the group, to go all the way down back to the bus and from the bus we can go all the way down to the valley of Elah itself to collect each of us five smooth stones. 
and I will continue teaching why David collected five smooth stones. All the group arrived to the brook and I will tell them for everyone to go and find five smooth stones. And the stones, you should be small, not big. So I tell them if you open the palm of your hand, the stone should be sitting inside the palm of your hand in a circular way. And when you close your hand a little bit, it should cover your hand, only the palm part of your hand, the small part. Why? Because if the stone is so smooth and so small, when you put it in the sling, when someone shoot with the sling, it will be directly to the point when you shoot it. But if it was not round and smooth, it will miss the point. Let me read for you from First Samuel 17, 40. Why did David choose five stones? David took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had even in his pouch, and his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Do you know that Goliath have in his family, there are five brothers. Let us read about the names of these five brothers. According to 2 Samuel 21, David and his men successfully defeated five Philistine giants. The name of the first is Goliath. You know, Goliath from the Hebrew word is Galut, the root word, which means exile. The name of the second brother, Ishbi Benov, means the mountain dweller. The third brother means Saf. Saf means threshold. The fourth brother, his name is Lachmi, which means a warrior. The fifth is nameless, but he comes from the city of Gat, which means the winepress. Gat means winepress. The meaning of these five Hebrew names, the five brothers, encapsulate and speaks metaphorically about David's personal life. The levels, he went from one stage to another stage, from one level to another level, even in the spiritual realm. You know, demons have levels. And he was able to fight all these demons. Look at the giants in David's life. At the outset of his career, David was in exile, forced to flee Saul. Eventually, David took the throne and moved his capital to Jerusalem, becoming a dweller on the mountain. That's the second level, known as Zion. Next, he erected the tabernacle, beyond whose the threshold. The ark was deposited there. In the later half of his life, David was a violent warrior and endured a merciless rebellion by his son Avishalom, during which he was pressed to the limits. 
The stones that you need to collect should be mostly smooth and round shape. Why? Why smooth stones? The answer to this question is that the constant washing of the water of the brook wears down the crooked edges of the world. The Holy Spirit is like the river flowing down all of one's rough and crooked edges. Like the river stones, this is a slow process, a journey, if you will, down the bumpy and twisted path of life. This is the same thing. David has passed through this journey and he had to collect these five smooth stones. I want you just sit and think about it and meditate and pray and look at these smooth stones because of the rushing water of the Holy Spirit and think about the spiritual fights you had in your life and how the Lord had took you from one spiritual fight to another level, to a deeper level. And David was ready for all his spiritual walk with the Lord and he learned from each level of his life. So if you're having struggles in your life, Learn from this. The more deep you walk with the Lord, the more deep are the implications in your life. The water is the Holy Spirit. And the more you face troubles, the more you have to stick to the Word of God. Because the Holy Spirit is always trying to penetrate our thick hearts. Like, like the hard rocks, we must yield to the soft water. We must yield to the Word of God. We must yield down and submit and humble ourselves to the Holy Spirit like King David. The will of God is evident in David's life and is evident in your life and my life. He desired for us to be living stones in his house, in his temple. Me and you are the living stones. Let us look what is written in the New Testament. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And I will end with this. You also, as living stones, are being built up as spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Yeshua the Messiah. So, we are being built up as a spiritual house. What's happening with us nowadays is all spiritual. So, let us strengthen our hearts Trust the Lord God Almighty all the way and humble ourselves in the name of the God of Israel. You will win every battle that comes to you. And when it comes to battles, I know what I am talking about. You have no idea how much battles I faced in my life.
even spiritual battles, even facing demons, I can tell you, I had so much battles with demons and different demons in exhortions of people, setting people free. That was my gift since I was a child, since I was a kid. We went together and set people free, not us, the Holy Spirit. And that what shaped and made me a strong believer because I saw them, it's real. The spiritual battles are real. I don't mean to scare you. I want to encourage you. Humble yourself. Lose your pride. Let the word of God be the foundation of your heart. And you will win every battle like King David. Also, when one battle finish, there will be another battle coming up. You will be so much trained. Don't run away from the battles. Don't run away from Goliath. Do not do like Saul. Do like David, because the battles are for the Lord. We are only soldiers in these battles. And the Lord, by his direction, by his instructions and guidance, will let us choose our battles. I do not mean you have to fight every battle, but you have to have discernment what battles to go through in order not to be tired. The battle is for the Lord. Remember that. Now all the group are collecting all these stones and some of them I get like surprised. They picked up a huge stones. I said that cannot be a huge stone. The sling will not be able to shoot that stone. Please, choose the stones in the size of your palm hand, the center, small ones, very circular and smooth. And I can see they collecting some of them more than five stones, which is fine. And they're bringing them all the way up to the bus. In the bus, I will ask them to show me these stones too, and I will point and choose one of the best stones because it should be so much chiseled, so much smooth, and so much round, and a small stone. And I can tell them this is a size of a stone like David used to shoot. How can we know that? Because we use slings all the time. As a child, I went around and used slings. So we know what stones to choose to make the best impact. And I tell you, these stones can fly so fast and far away into miles and so fast. And when it hits a target, it can be deadly for sure. I guarantee you. So as a child, we played with these slings with the birds and we had so much fun. And here I am teaching about David from the scripture and Goliath. And these stories are real stories because my playground is the pages of the Bible. My grow up in Jerusalem and the streets of the old city on the station of the cross. I grew up on station 8. There are 14 stations where Jesus went all the way from condemnation all the way to 
Golgotha to judgment and station number eight was my home and my playground. So the streets of the old city of Jerusalem is where the pages of the Bible and the stories of the Bible took place. And I am so happy that I am able to share all this information with you. If you enjoyed this teaching and the podcast, please share it with friends and family members. I would love to hear that this podcast is reaching so many people. And especially there is a hunger nowadays, especially in USA, for people to learn about the truth of the word of God. There is a hunger among people of deep quality teachings from the culture of Jesus, from the Bible context and the customs of scripture. Thank you so much for all your time. I know one hour is a long time of listening. Thank you for giving me these hours of time to hear about the word of God. Thank you and bless your hearts. I want also to inform you that all my books are published in Amazon platform. So if you like to have a copy of, a, of a, an ebook or a printed book, please go to amazon.com and type my name, Andre Mubarak. I will spell it for you. Andre, A-N-D-R-E, Mubarak, M-O-U, B-A-R-A-K and then all the books will appear and you can scroll down and choose what book you like. Also you can get the books from my website www.twinstours.org shop. Also if you like and you have a prayer request please send it to me personally and I'll be praying with you and for you and the email you can use is my personal email andreemubarak at gmail.com a-n-d-r-e-m-o-u-b-a-r-a-k at gmail.com and I would love to pray with you and feel free to share your prayers I always answers all my emails, but it can sometimes take me two to three days to answer you back. But make sure I always answer my emails. Thank you and God bless your heart.